0: You know, it's really hard to compress uh, the life of 99 years uh, into uh, just a few thoughts uh, as we gather here this morning. Uh, whenever uh, whenever all of this finally came to fruition, uh, my first thought went to a particular passage of Scripture in the Bible, Second Timothy 4, 7, and 8, and uh, I thought since we could I could get you to interact a little bit with me today. Let's read it, okay? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Well, I, many, many of you know my mother, and uh, you know that the first line of this passage is, is true, isn't it? Uh, she fought a good fight. She's finished the race. She's kept the faith. Uh, Paul is talking to uh, his understudy in the, in the ministry, Timothy. And he's talking about himself, and it's, uh, the, the story is at the end of his life. Uh, What a testament for someone at the end of their life to be able to say they've finished the race. The race that God called them to run. Uh, He was also in 2 Timothy talking about Timothy's faith. Where did he get it? Uh, And he explained that in 2 Timothy 1.5. And he was talking to Timothy and he said, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwells first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Uh, he says, Timothy, I know where you got your faith from. You got your faith from your grandmother, and you got your faith from your mother. That's the way faith is passed down uh, through generations. And if we were writing this, uh, if we were writing this uh, verse today, uh, it would kind of read like this. Uh, I know where you got your faith from, uh, your grandmother, Harriet, and your mother, Ruth. And in all of our families, there are people, or at least in most of our families, there are people who precede us, uh, who have walked the journey before us and passed the baton down to us. If if we we, we drew a family tree today of our family, we could start it back there in Connellsville, 109 Porter Avenue. My long-term memory is starting to kick in, really good. You know that, I, and you know when that happens, you, you know what you know what that's all about. I'm remembering things that I forgot. <laughs> 109 Porter Avenue, Connellsville. Harriet and Harriet Brown and Harry Brown, her husband. Harriet was a homemaker, and Harry was an engineer on the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad. He started out shoveling coal. Uh, on steam on steam engine, who worked himself up to the top spot in the B&O Railroad uh, engineering the uh, Columbian, which was the most up-to-date passenger train of the time. But uh, more than his achievements from hard work, he was a person who really was plugged into God. And in our memories, uh, Judy's memories and my memories, where we'd go up there and we'd see him singing around the house. He'd sing all these spiritual songs. And he had such a great voice. Uh, He uh, sang in a barbershop quartet. And uh, he was just the kind of guy you'd like to grow up and be like him. Uh, He'd go out and pick up the leaves in his yard. My wife always reminded me of that. You know, by hand he would do it. You know, he he couldn't stand to have a leaf on his grass. You know, that wouldn't work. Uh, And so, uh, but what he was doing, he was planting the seeds of spirituality in his kids, Jack, Ruthie, and Dorothy. Well, my mother told me one time, she said, Johnny, when we were growing up, it was a different world. It certainly was. She said, we, uh, we, would, never, uh, we would never dare disobey our parents. And then she told me later she eloped to get married. <laughs> and so I don't know. I guess the obedience thing only worked for a certain length of time, you know, and it was... Uh, but uh, her and my father, Albert, they did elope. She told me her sister Dorothy gave, uh, gave her one of her nice dresses so she, could, so she could take off with Albert, get married in Washington, D.C. They lived there for a number of years. My father managed a gas station in, um, in Washington, D.C. And he told me, he says, we used to work on Lawrence Welk's car down there. I guess that was his claim to fame. After a period of time in Washington, uh, they moved back to McKee's Rocks, and my father went to work for the P&L Railroad the Pennsylvania, Lake Erie. He was a mechanic, and he worked on those old steam engines. But when he came home, he was just completely covered with soot and dirt. Uh, My father was a drinker, so my mother said. And he made a deal with God. My mother told me that she'd never stay with him if he continued to drink. And so I guess she was putting a lot of pressure on him. And so he decided, listen, I'm going to make a deal with God. If God will give me a son, I'll quit drinking, he said. And so uh, that's what God did. Uh, God gave him a son. And my mother said the day her son was born, he never touched a drop of alcohol the rest of his life. He kept his commitment to God. And, uh, and they had a happy marriage. They really did. Oh, there were a few instances I could tell you about I could tell you about the time they came back from the grocery store and my my mother got mad at my dad. She threw a can at him and he wanted to reciprocate. And So he picked up. Remember years ago, they said that butter with it with a red thing. You push it and you squeeze it. He threw the butter at her. I guess he didn't really want to hurt her. She ducked. It hit the wall all over the wall. So it made an imprint on me. But outside of a few instances, I think they had a pretty, pretty sweet marriage. Well, uh, my mother came home one day, and uh, uh, she told us she had found the Lord. Uh, we didn't know exactly what that meant. Well, we uh, we went to church on Easter and Christmas, and uh, that was about it. Uh, she began to read the Bible. The Bible used to be just a decoration piece in our house. But boy, she picked it up and began to fall in love with it. Curtis, my cousin, came to live with us when his mother passed away in Baltimore, Maryland, for um, uh, about one school year. My mother was praying for all of us, for Judy, my sister, uh, for me, for Curtis, to come to Christ. And, uh, and, you know, mothers have a way. They really do. Uh, I tell people always that women are very sensitive toward God, and that's a good thing. And she was, and and she wanted her kids to come to Christ. And so, first of all, she won her husband to the Lord Albert, my father. She brought him to Christ. And then she would say to me, Johnny, I want you to accept Jesus as your Savior. You need a personal Savior. And so the Lord was speaking to my heart, and Curtis was living with us. And I remember one night we were going to church in Sheridan. And we did. We walked to church that night. Curtis and I were headed out to church, and And I said to Curtis, Curtis, I'm going to accept the Lord as my Savior tonight. And he said, you know, I've been thinking about the same thing. I am too. And so here we were, two kids, about 10 and 11 years old. Uh, We were walking to church. I couldn't wait to get to church that night. Usually it wasn't that way. I couldn't wait to get to church that night because I was ready. I I wanted Christ as my Savior. I don't remember what the pastor talked about that night, but I just couldn't wait for the invitation. We had this old wooden bench right down across the front of the church. And I just thought that was the place that you met God, right down there at that bench. And so at the end of the service, he gave an invitation for people to come forward to pray. I darted out the aisle, and Curtis was right behind me. I didn't even look back to see if he was there. He was right on my trail. And he and I went to to that old altar, that old wooden bench in that church in Sheridan. The church is still there next to Langley High School. And uh, I I made the greatest exchange I've ever made in my life. I gave Jesus my sins, and He gave me His righteousness. I floated home from church that night. I didn't walk home. I floated home. I I went home to our little house on Oakland Street, and I I remember as as, as as though it happened yesterday. I was sitting in that living room, and I was so happy. I was filled with joy. And I said to my mother, Mother, I feel so clean on the inside. She said, you should. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and my spiritual journey started then. Uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of money in our house uh, at all. My father, most of his jobs was a laborer. He worked hard. My mother worked hard, too. I remember we lived at 1333 Tyndall Street in Sheridan. And uh, somebody gave us some old cardboard boxes, and, and I remember this. Judy, Judy and I were in the basement playing with the boxes, and I thought, man, this is just so much fun. We were like making, you know, hanging, just having fun with these boxes. And in the back of our house, we had a couple of buckeye trees, and we collect buckeyes, and we take them to school, and we trade buckeyes. Uh, we were one of those poor families you heard about that didn't know they were poor. And, and, we, and it didn't take money to make us happy. We had the greatest thing in all the world. We had the love of our parents. We had the love of our father who would get up every day and go to work. And we had the love of our mother that, would, uh, that not only cared for us physically, but cared for us spiritually. Well, uh, I, I took, it was time for me to graduate from high school and I joined the Air Force at age 17. And I met Joanne there in uh, Sherman, Texas, and, and uh, we started our family. My mother was praying that I would find a, a girl who knew Christ as her Savior. I did. And uh, that was no accident. It was an answer to a mother's prayer. My sister Judy went to Philadelphia, Philadelphia College of the Bible. And there she met her husband, Larry Loney. And, uh, and they started their family. And so here I am in one part of the country starting our family, Joanne and I. And we had John and Dan and Steve and Judy had Wendy and Heather and Val. And and, uh, that's kind of our family tree. You know, if we were drawing a schematic of that today, it would look look just like a regular family, uh, some biological thing. But it was more than that because my mother made it a spiritual thing. All the time she was praying for us, all the time. She was praying that, uh, that God would use her family, that God would speak to her family and use her family. I found a little uh, piece of paper. I can find it. I have more papers up here. Anyway, my mother, my mother uh, wrote, uh, wrote a little article. It's in her own handwriting about uh, my call to the ministry. And she says, it was in 1968, uh, the Lord was going to answer my prayer. I had prayed years before. These are the exact words. I I never forgot them. Lord, you could make a preacher out of Johnny if you wanted to. He wanted to, and I knew I wanted him too. Little did he know that, uh, that the Lord had a beautiful little church on Piney Fork Road, all planned for John, to start preaching in. Joanne was to be a teacher there. Uh, there, was a, there was a handful of faithful people already there. Well, the flock grew and grew as we obeyed the Lord. The Lord said to go out into the highways and byways and witness and bring them in. Also, I, I fi- we found our pleasure in the things of the Lord. What a pleasure it was. I was a Sunday school teacher. And as we went about the Lord's business, many souls were saved. This was just the beginning in 1968. Many fruitful, happy years were to follow. That's in her own handwriting. Well, our family, uh, according to my mother's desire, was uh, to be something spiritual. When my mother accepted Jesus as her Savior, her faith exploded. You know, when you discover God through Christ, things just have to happen in in your life. If you have Christ in your heart, you can't be the same. I love 2 Corinthians 5.17 We have that verse. Let's read this together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's exactly what happened to my mother. She instantaneously became a new person when she accepted Jesus as her Savior. She became a crusader for Christ. Her faith in God's Word exploded second Timothy three fifteen says, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith with you from Christ Jesus. I guess one of her favorite passages was Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine, and uh, she she told everybody about this let 's read it: for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. My mother was on a crusade to tell people that salvation could never be earned by any good works that they could produce. And this was her proof text right here. And she said, listen, salvation is only through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, mother was faithful to Christ. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. You know, I believe that the greatest quality of a believer is not the superlatives of their giftedness, but their faithfulness to God. You know, Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, uh, was lamenting the fact that many Christians had deserted him. And I remember when I first started out in the ministry, my mother said to me, Johnny... Don't put your eyes on any man. They'll always let you down. Always keep your eyes on Christ. And you know, uh, her prophecy was true. Uh, none of us have the stamina and the strength to, uh, to live up to each other's expectations. We all leave each other down, let each other down, don't we? Well, she was faithful to Christ. Mother was fearless, too. Uh, you know, some people take their faith casually. Mother was always on fire. Uh, She didn't believe in her own power. She believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I can't tell you how many times she would give me this verse in 2 Timothy 1, 7, and 8. Let's read it. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either. Even though I'm in prison for him, with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Uh, she always lived by this verse. She was not timid. She shared her faith everywhere she went. Going out to her men, going out to witness. Staying home and staying home to witness. Uh, she had a tremendous impact on, on our family. Um, we had a few of our family write down a few things that they'll remember about her. Uh, before Judy and I came along, my mother lived in McKee's Rocks and uh, took in her sister's daughter almost as a baby, Penny McCracken. I just talked to Penny on the phone. She lives in Florida. And, she, and uh, for four years, this little almost infant baby, my mother, my mother mothered. And this is a a word from Penny. What a lucky baby I was back in August of 1936. My mother had to leave Connellsville, Pennsylvania to work in Washington, D.C. and couldn't take me with her. So my mother's sister, Aunt Ruth, who did not have any children of her own at that time, was kind enough to take me into her home. She raised me for the next four years and loved me as though I was hers. In return, I was able to train her in the mysterious ways of babies just in time for Johnny and Judy to come along. What a wonderful, happy, patient, and loving person she was. Uh, we were we were all blessed by her. And that's from Penny McCracken, uh, whom Mother raised for her first uh, four years of life. Uh, Judy kind of wrote a, just a thought or two. She said, Mother and I uh, would love to travel to uh, Grandma Harriet Brown's house and then take off to the cemetery to see Grandpa's grave. We would always uh, do this on a beautiful sunny day. The surrounding countryside was much fun. We would have a wonderful time looking at the foliage and having lunch. We also had a lot of, of fun on Larry's boat. He loved to fish and Grandma loved to watch. At times, she would jump off the side of the boat. Now, I never knew that. She would jump off the side of the boat and Her leg would sometimes rise up to the top of the water like a dead board, and then we would have to jump in and rescue her. Uh, The 4th of July was great at grandmother's house. Uh, She would let us all watch on her back porch down here in Monongahelo in the senior citizens' high high rise, uh, the uh, the fireworks. Uh, The best was snuggling up with mother in in her bed as a little girl, especially on a snowy snowy day. Um, uh, one of uh, Judy's children, Wendy's, cannot be here today. She lives in Texas. She's just about to deliver a baby. But uh, she was uh, most, most attentive with her grandmother. Uh, And so what she writes is this. Where do I begin to express the positive effect my grandmother had on my life? I've always felt like, like grandma was my personal cheerleader. Grandma was a huge influence on my life growing up. Uh, Grandma went on our family vacation 90% of the time. Grandma was amazing. She always stayed back in the room the first day. She had to tell the cleaning staff about Christ. Uh, Somehow Grandma didn't come across as a crazy, pushy, holy roller. Uh, They called her Grandma by the end of the trip. God used my grandmother in amazing ways. Every summer I would spend a couple weeks with Grandma. I loved my time with her. My grandma didn't have much money, but whatever she had, she gave away. We had fun shopping. Grandma loved flea markets and five and dimes. Grandma taught me how to serve others. She's always uh, visited my, we've always visited my great-grandmother at her nursing home. And grandma always had older friends that we helped. When we drove to church, we would usually pick up one of grandma's friends who couldn't drive anymore. I wish I could explain how Grandma attracted people when she was around. Uh, I could have done the most horrible thing, and somehow I knew Grandma would turn me into a hero. I got far less spankings when Grandma was around. My grandmother uh, didn't leave me earthly valuables. She left me something far greater, an understanding of the true riches of heaven. Everything she did reminded me of purpose, my purpose, to tell others about Christ. My grandmother left huge shoes to fill. A legacy of a life lived for Christ. I hope to make my grandmother proud and continue that legacy. I want my children and my grandchildren to see Christ in me. Thank you, Grandma. Until we meet on the other side. Wendy. You know, uh, there were uh, we were going through some of Grandma's things and found a nice note. R- Wendy recently sent to her. This is cute. Grandma. I can't begin to tell you how wonderful it was to see you. I love you and miss you so much. I wish I lived closer. I I remembered when I thought Indianapolis was far, but Texas is so far. Grandma, you taught me what unconditional love is. Thank you, Wendy. Jason put this on his uh, Facebook page. When you put something on Facebook, it never dies. You know that? Rest in peace, great Grandma Arnold. I can't even imagine all the things you saw and accomplished in 99 years. Uh, uh, she gave us a lot of, uh, a lot of good memories. Uh, her goal, though, was to, to bring her whole family to Jesus so that not only could we live together in time, but we could live together in eternity. Uh, she finished pretty strong, too. When she went to the nursing home uh, almost four years, four years ago, I remember we sent some kids out from the church, Al Finney back there, and some of the kids, junior high kids. She asked, she asked them if they were all saved. And one of them accepted Jesus on the way home, our church kids, going to visit grandma in the nursing home. Uh, mother's future is, is bright. Sherry, one of her helpers, told me this, and I never knew this. She said, Your mother always told me that she wanted to die on Sunday. I never knew that. <clears throat> My mother told me one time, God answers my prayers, Johnny. She told me that very dogmatically. On March 7th, 2.30 a.m. in the morning, you guessed it, Sunday, an angelic escort arrived. I'm sure the mother was uh, ready to go to heaven before that, but the Lord may have slowed the whole process down because, remember, mother did get her prayers answered. And the Lord may have said to the angel escort, just wait a little longer till we get into Sunday. Because Ruthie wants to die. Come home on Sunday. Well, we get, uh, we get this whole reference from Luke chapter 16, verse 22. And there the Lord says it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom is heaven. Now, I, I see Jan back there. She's the hospice lady, and has been a wonderful help. Jan, thank you for coming. Uh, and uh, the people to nursing home treated Mother well. But, uh, you know, I tried to hold on to her as long as I could. I tried to keep her alive as long as I could. And when she was making this transition uh, between earth and heaven, it was killing me. It was literally killing me. I never had so much pain in my whole life. And after a while, I finally gave up trying to keep her alive. Because I was realizing that this is not working. God wants her more than me. And so I began to pray that the Lord would take her because I just couldn't stand to see her there in the twilight zone. And so we were praying and praying and... And uh, I just said, Lord, I just can't take another day of this. And so on March 7th, 2.30 a.m., actually about 2.50, the phone rang. And when I heard the phone go off in our house, I said, that's our call. That's it. I got so excited. The burden was immediately lifted. I felt so great that finally she had stepped across on the other side Um, I came to church and people said how you doing I said you know I'm doing really good Uh, I'm doing really good mother's having I think the best day of her life right now and so I'm happy for her Um, she raised the bar pretty high for all of us she set the standard because when I think of what she, could, what she did with her life, it boggles my mind. Because, you know, a lot of people live life and don't have a lot to show for it. You know, I can't fill her shoes. But maybe all of us here together, if we could pull together, maybe we could partially fill her shoes. You know, what she, what she has done is beyond praise to her. It was way beyond her human ability. It, it was a God thing, and so we give praise to God for what God did in her life. In Psalm 23, remember the Bible says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, goodness and mercy followed her all the days of her life, and she dwells in the house of the Lord forever. My cup runs over. You know, if I had the power to turn back the clock... to go back to the house at the end of the block. The house that was home when I was a kid. I know I'd love it more than I did. If I could be back there at my mother's knee and hear once again all the things she told me, I'd listen as I never listened before because I really realized that she knew what life had in store. And all the advice my dad used to give his voice, I'll remember, as long as I live. And oh, what I'd give for the chance I once had had to do so much more for my mother and dad. To give them more sunshine, a little less rain, a little more joy, and a little less pain. But we can't go back, whether we're born in a mansion or in a shack. But we can begin right now, in the hour that's here, to do so much more for the ones we hold dear. I want to challenge you today. You know, it's good for us to come together like this. Uh, it's, it's a wake-up call, isn't it? It should be. There is only one life. It'll soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. You know, mother was involved in a number of enterprises in her life, but you know, they're all gone. And her spiritual work remains. These are children. Her family. That's her spiritual work. The work of a lifetime of a godly person. And all the people that my family has affected for Christ. What a work. I want to encourage you to invest yourself in a work that will outlive you. That will last forever. Invest yourself in the work of Christ. And one day, somebody may speak over your casket similar words that I've said about my mother today. Let us pray. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, I I wonder how God is speaking to you You know, my mother uh, spoke to us while she was alive, but I think she still speaks. She speaks through me. She speaks through Joanne. She speaks through Judy. She speaks through Valerie. All my kids. And today, uh, this would be a good day if God's been dealing in your heart to... Make a decision for Christ. You know, I know life is so busy we can't slow down. But we, are, we have to slow down today. And so I'm, I just want to take two minutes right now and ask you to take a little trip down into the recesses of your heart. Look around there. What do you see? Do you see Christ on the throne of your heart like my mother did? Or do you see you? on the throne of your heart. Well, this would be a good day for you to dethrone yourself and put the rightful owner of your heart, heart's throne in proper place. Just pray in your heart right now, Lord, touch me. Bring me to you. Change my life. And for the rest of us in the church that have already been walking with the Lord for a long time, uh, let's just uh, let's just pray a simple prayer. Lord, uh, help us to walk in such a way that Mother, her legacy will live on uh, in an admirable way. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time that we can come together in the church, and we uh, praise you for for Mother. We are so blessed. We pray that as we go about the uh, The rest of the day that you will just minister to us, Lord. Uh, Just touch our heart and mold us in, in ways that only can be attributed to you. In Jesus' name we pray and all the Lord's people said, Amen.